Hey folks, thanks for listening to the Auburn Observer Podcast. Just want to let you know, Ferg and I recorded this episode Sunday, just after Auburn basketball's win against St. Louis. I say that to tell you that some of the news around Auburn's coaching search, which we discussed, has changed. These things usually fluid, often rapidly changing in real time. That appears to be the case. By the time you're listening to this, I imagine there's been an update specifically as it pertains to Hugh Freeze and his involvement with the coaching search. So keep that in mind as you're listening. Otherwise, appreciate y'all. Enjoy the show. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the Cyber Monday edition. Hope everyone's doing their shopping responsibly right now. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama, back after a trip all over the southeast. I was in four different states in the last few days, but we're back. We're in Auburn. We're at home base here for a little while. Painter Sharpless checking in from Parts Unknown. Painter, Thanksgiving weekend in Parts Unknown. Treat you well. I had a wonderful time. The good food was had. Yeah, that's that's all that's all we can hope for. It's all we can hope for at this t- this time of year. Panther, we got a lot to talk about, and uh, we don't want to make this a seven hour podcast, so we're gonna try to move fast here. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, check out the Auburn if you're listening to us for the first time, or you are a free uh, podcast listener. It's a great time to hop on to the Observer. Sixty dollars a month or sixty dollars a year, you get all of our newsletters, all of our podcast. Uh, sent directly to your email inbox as soon as they drop. And there's going to be a ton of stuff coming out, obviously, in the next few weeks with Auburn basketball really hitting their hitting the meat of their schedule. And, of course, Auburn football ongoing with their coaching search. Let's talk that coaching search to lead it off. We will talk Iron Bowl. We will talk uh, the basketball game over St. Louis. But we will start with uh, the one topic that everybody wants to talk about right now, which is the coaching search. So we're recording this on Sunday evening. Let's let's line up where we are right here, because as of Sunday evening, I have no idea where Auburn's going next, and there's reasons for that, and there's two major developments that have happened since the last time we talked to you on the podcast. First, Lane Kiffin is staying at Ole Miss. This was always a possibility. Auburn got really, really deep into the discussions with him. Um, I think Auburn, the way they went about it and the way – things were kind of trending, it looked like it was going to happen. Like Auburn um, had a plenty of reason to believe that that was going to be the move that they made. However, Lane Kiffin, uh, over the last couple of days, decided he wanted to stay at Ole Miss. He's getting a big extension at Ole Miss. Reportedly, his family, his kids, um, played a part in this, being uh, wanting to stay in Oxford him wanting to kind of settle down. There's been kind of talk of that. He has been a guy that has hopped from uh, job to job in the past. We'll see, um, you know, how long he stays at a place like Ole Miss. But for now, he looks like he will be the head coach for the Ole Miss Rebels in 2023, turning down um, the pursuit of Auburn. So where does that leave Auburn there? This comes out on Saturday morning. And on Saturday morning, a lot of folks – a lot of national folks and elsewhere, people locally, said and reported that Hugh Freeze would be is where Auburn was targeting next. That was Saturday morning. Over the course of Saturday afternoon and Sunday and Saturday evening, that talk cooled off tremendously to the point where on Sunday, as we're recording this, I know some other folks have reported it. Um, you know, again, I'm not a guy that has a ton of scoops or inside sources, but I am comfortable in saying it is almost like extremely, extremely unlikely that Hugh Freeze is the next coach at Auburn. I think that talk cooled off tremendously. There was a huge amount of backlash to the talk of Auburn hiring Hugh Freeze. Now, it's very important as we say it right here, because I think there are people who are pro-freeze and anti-freeze on in the fan base. And the anti-freeze folks made their voices heard over the course of Saturday and into Sunday. People have tried to make kind of parallels between Bruce Pearl and Hugh Freeze and saying, okay, the NCAA, it goes beyond the NCAA stuff, and there's a lot to it. 
uh, I think a lot of people have made their voices heard on situations that have happened at Ole Miss and have happened at Liberty and Hugh Freeze's handling of them, especially as as it relates to women. I think those have to be kept in mind where, yes, it goes beyond the NCAA stuff. And I'm not all I, like I'm not naive, man. Like I know there are people who don't want Hugh Freeze to be Auburn's next head coach because he's lost his last three games and they got absolutely smoked by New Mexico State on Saturday, and they lost to UConn and they lost to the worst Virginia Tech team of the modern era. That that plays a part into it as well. I mean that that definitely does. But there was a backlash. There was pushback from Auburn fans that got the attention of people who are in charge of this leadership at Auburn to the point where it went on from Saturday into Sunday where, again, as we're recording this on Sunday night, I would be extremely shocked if Hugh Freeze is the next head coach. It seems that seems to be dead. That seems to be off the table at this point. I'm never going to say never, never going to guarantee anything, but that's kind of where we're at right now. So it's interesting. I have said for a while I was skeptical of Hugh Freeze's candidacy as Auburn's head coach because I was unsure of whether new athletic director John Cohen, who was at Mississippi State while all that was going on at Ole Miss, if that was a move for him, okay? I don't have any insight. I don't have any details over who leaked what, where, and all that. All I know is I was very skeptical of that, and I remain skeptical of that. And now it looks like a point where doesn't seem like Hugh Freeze is going to be Auburn's next head coach. Neither is Lane Kiffin. So, Painter, where do we go from here? No clue. Don't have a clue. We've got some names. We can talk through We can talk through some spots. But Auburn had it set up. They were trending in the direction where this was going to be the not-Auburn move. They were going to get Lane Kiffin. They were going to get their guy. It was going to be smooth, in, out, bang. And then Lane Kiffin, late in the process, decides – you know what? I'm gonna stay at Ole Miss. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep what I've, I've got going on here, whatever his reasoning was. And again, like I said, family seems to be a part of it. He stays back. He's not going to be Auburn's head coach. The attention goes to freeze. That's faded away. So what happens now? What happens next for Auburn and this coaching search? Because now it's get it's not into full blown chaos. I don't think yet of the Harson search, but we're trending in a direction where it's going to have some parallels. There, we're definitely going to trend 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 in that direction. I know John Cohen and Auburn specifically have been very tight lipped. A lot of the stuff about Kiffin, a lot of the stuff about Freeze, it's not been a whole lot of stuff directly from Auburn in this process. John Cohen made two out-of-left-field hires at Mississippi State in getting Joe Moorhead and then getting Mike Leach. By the way, that Leach hire looking a little better than people may have thought of early. State is 8-4 and four this year, which is a really good year for Mississippi State most of the time. I, I don't know where they head next. I, I truly am at a point where, you know, as a guy who's not a scoop guy, not a not a coaching news breaker or anything like that, it's up in the air for me. I don't know what John Cohen's thinking. I don't know what his list is. I think there's still time for Auburn to make a splash. I think there's still time for Auburn to make a move that I think will. That was the thing about Freeze, Painter, is like if they made that move, it's so divisive at a time where a lot, like I think unity is kind of first and foremost what people need here at Auburn. And people are going to disagree with that. And people are going to, I mean, there are people who are listening to this podcast right now that are Hugh, that, that wanted to see Hugh Freeze be Auburn's next head coach. And, I, you know, I, it would be dumb for me to just completely write any, any of those people off. Like, no coach is going to get a unanimous seal of approval. But Freeze felt like the most divisive one at a time where I think it's very important that Auburn is on the same page in this new direction because of what they've done recently under Cadillac Williams. I will say this before Painter. Before I hate to cut you off, I know I'm rambling. I will say this before we get into it. It feels, from what I've heard, from a number of people, feels very unlikely that Cadillac Williams would get promoted to this job. And it's not because I don't think he wouldn't do a good job in it or anything like that. It's just I personally am unsure 
if Cadillac Williams wants that job. It doesn't seem like that is the case. He hasn't campaigned for it. He hasn't talked about it like, like at that point. And from what I've heard from a number of people, um, just doesn't seem likely it's going to go in that direction. So it seems like Auburn's going to get a new head coach, not promote from within, not going to be Lane Kiffin, almost surely not going to be Hugh Freeze. Again, never say never. But, and not Cadillac Williams. So what happens here? Where do they go next? Painter, I'm going to lob it to you because you have as much insight as I do at this point on what could be next for Auburn. But as a fan, go off. Because I know, like, you you as well as several other people, you know, including, like, Pablo and Dave and a lot of people who listen to this podcast and, and read our newsletter, as Auburn fans, we're really excited about the, the prospect of, of Lane Kiffin, and it seemed like that was where things were going for a while. I don't have an answer. I will pivot and say that... I have, to no one's surprise listening, spent a lot of time recently defending Auburn football's program and pointing out where people tend to underestimate its potential. It is hard to not be a prisoner of the moment mm-hmm. and look around and go, are we are we deeply unserious? Okay. Expound on that. So I don't think you can do much if a coach changes his mind. It seems like Auburn had good reason to believe that Lane Kiffin would be your coach. What do you do? I guess I'm fascinated to know with Freeze if that was something that John Cohen was ever interested in doing. Yeah. Or if it was something in which he needed to placate someone or some people into thinking he would be willing to do, but that was never his plan. And now it feels like we're in in scramble mode. You would have loved to add a coach this weekend, obviously. And, you know, who knows when that hire will be made. The transfer portal opens a week from Monday. That is like, seems like the absolute last moment you would want to head coach. I don't know if Auburn wants to last that long. But there are some coaches coaching... In this weekend, this this conference championship weekend coming up, that would make sense, or at least people have kind of linked to Auburn or talked about it, rumored. If we just going off of the word rumor, like Dabo Sweeney's coaching this weekend, I would. That's a like knock it out of a park, you know, Grand Slam. Dudes won national titles. It would be a wild make. And I know Clemson isn't what Clemson used to be, but like still, they're really stinking good. Um. But he's coaching this Saturday, and I don't think Auburn and I don't think Davos. If Davos, when he was even interested in the Auburn job, I don't know if he wants to go through that process while trying to get his team prepared to play for the ACC title, right? And again, you just went deep in a process with a coach who decided to pull back at the last moment. You don't want that to happen again. Same thing goes, and I think this one's a stretch, but people have talked about it. Like Sonny Dykes at TCU, done it a phenomenal job in year one with TCU. And I think he's going to get paid very handsomely by TCU because they're about to be a playoff team, it sounds like. I mean, when is that dude going to be available, right? Like, that's that's one where you – the timing is going to make it really, really interesting. There are others. Big swings, splashes, and I'm talking sitting Power 5 head coaches that would get people's attention. James Franklin. Do you go back down the Dan Lanning – trail again and see what you see what it takes there i don't know because it can be wide open and again there is also the thought in your head that john cohen has been a guy who has kind of come out of nowhere to make his hires at mississippi state could he do that again here right is there a is there a mystery candidate is there somebody that you no one's really talking about it's been kept so far under wraps that it's like bang when it comes out there and again i'm just throwing a name out here i'm not saying this is connected to auburn but it would be like if Auburn tomorrow just said like, and now welcome our new head coach Chip Kelly. You'd be like, what? How? Huh? That seems like that's the type of hire that I'm talking about. And I don't know if those are out there. I mean, again, this is all speculation on our part. I'm be very clear and very honest with you guys. You know, this ain't my bag, but it's the biggest thing happening right now, and we need to talk about. It. We need to discuss it. There's other names that have been mentioned. I'll give you two. Both in the NFL right now. Number one is Brian Johnson. Now, Brian Johnson was a name that I had thought up of a month ago before Harson was even fired. It's like, 
because there was a mailbag question about looking to the NFL uh, for a potential coach in the future. And I said, you know what? Brian Johnson makes a ton of sense to me. This was before John Cohen was even hired at Auburn. But if you don't know Brian Johnson, former Utah quarterback, was the offensive coordinator for and quarterback's coach uh, for Dan Mullen at Mississippi State and at Florida. Did an excellent job uh, at both of those spots. Dax quarterback coach in Mississippi State. Florida helped get Kyle Trask getting to that point where they went to the SEC title game. Then he goes to the Philadelphia Eagles where he's helped turn Jalen Hurts into one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Brian Johnson's 35 years old. Brian Johnson has experience with successful quarterback play, successful offenses in the SEC. He is young. He is African-American. He has got recruiting chops. Like It's so it's an outside-of-the-box hire, but it makes a lot of sense. He was at Mississippi State when John Cohen was at Mississippi State, so keep that in mind. Reportedly from multiple people on the beat, uh, I believe – 247 and on three have both reported this. Brian Johnson has been contacted by Auburn, and he could be a candidate in this process. Keep him in mind. Joe Witt Jr., also another name. Dallas Cowboys defensive backs coach. His dad coached here for forever. He walked on here. He played here. He's been in the NFL for a while. Again, a hire if you go to the league and get somebody who knows Auburn and knows this and young, exciting, try to turn it over that way. If you can't pick off an established name or if you don't, pick off an established name from elsewhere. That might be the ballpark that you're in. Um, that could end up being being the spot. We talked before this process even started about Jeff Grimes, and we talked about Charles Kelly. Our friend Justin Lee wrote a column about Travis Williams, who I think has head coach aspirations. It would make a lot of sense. Like That might end up being the tier, and that is going to frustrate some of you out there, but it's the fit and it's the swing and if you go after the big names and you can't land them what do you do next what is what is what is the next move so again this seems to be like you could hit the mystery box and still get a coach a big name coach power five head coach pay him a lot of money and you know turn it loose that way or this might end up being like if you would end up promoted cadillac as an interim somebody with at least SEC ties or Auburn ties that you could give them the resources, the staff, all that to grow into this job and take it and see if you can create your own Dabo Sweeney, create your own. And I know his name's not doing great right now these days, but Ryan day, like, can you, can you create your own Kirby smart? Can you create your own, like somebody like that? That, is the other option that Auburn could go down. That's the other path that they could go down. And again, all bets are off at this point. It's not Kiffin. Doesn't seem like it's going to be Freeze. It doesn't look likely that Cadillac will get the, will get the job or promoted. Because again, I, I don't know if he even wants that job. But a lot of this is speculation and a lot has been like these next few days are going to be fascinating because like we, like I said, you could go for a Dabo Swinney. You could go for a, um, the Sunny Dykes or somebody like that. It's like they're, if they're coaching this week, do you want to wait that long? Do you want to wait that long and then potentially get turned down? Right? NFL guy's a little different. You can go get an NFL guy. If an NFL position coach, you can be like, yeah, well, I'll go be a head coach of an SEC team right now. It's a lot different for for teams that still have a lot to play for. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's up in the air. It's up in the air right now, and I think – I think again, the big thing for Auburn is going to be you got to get somebody who fits, and you got to get somebody who can get people excited here. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the splash name, but again, I'm also not the t- uh, also the person who's saying that this is full chaos, full panic mode, full scramble, like it was the last time. It could end up getting that way, but I mean, they had their guy, and it it felt, and it was, and that's different than. Kevin Steele the last time around too like that it's a different situation than that um but it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to watch and look if you know we'll try to keep everybody up to date with whatever we find out whatever we hear but um I think I think this I think it's anybody's ball game right now and that can either be exciting or frustrating or terrifying or any combination of that depending on where you sit there as an Auburn fan and there were people who didn't want Kiffin and there were people who wanted freeze and didn't want free like again nobody's gonna be unanimous uh but 
there's still opportunity here for Auburn to capitalize on the momentum that has been created over the last month because I believe, like players and coaches said, after the Iron Bowl on Saturday night, and I, and I bet you agree as well, Painter. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Auburn feels like it's in a better spot than it was a month ago. It just it just does, and you can't squander that, right? You can't you can't let that slip through your fingers if you're this football program. It's probably unfair to say that anything significant has changed in the last week, but it feels like, as we've discussed, there was this real opportunity to get its ducks in a row. I think that's the phrase this show has gone with. Um, by getting aligned with your new president, your new athletic director, and a good hire. And they may still make a good hire. They may. I am, though, like, it feels like, and this is not something you can measure, and it's not something that you can really know until we play some games, because as we've always couched it with these coaching discussions, we don't know what's going to work. Kiffin looked like it was going to be pretty good on paper, but... Who knows? Um, it, like again, though, this is a this is a rambling way of saying like it does feel like some momentum has been lost because now there is a idea that you've missed. Um, yes. And then there's, you know, however it went down with the freeze thing. However much John Cohen actually was serious about hiring the dude, um, it was you know widely reported by national media people that it was something that Auburn was seriously considering. Okay. Now you've backed out of that. Um, so again, I, you know, I don't know if it really matters because if you hire, if you make a good hire, even if it wasn't your first choice, then you've still made a good hire. But at least in, in terms of like the way this was charting, it felt like Auburn was right. really going to be swinging into the off season with some momentum, give it some time with the portal, with the early signing period, and now, you know, a little, little doubt creeping in about what the next steps are. Because like you said, I mean, I don't think anyone knows what this is going to result in. Nope. Nope. Uh, 100%. And I will say, the other thing that's going to throw a wrench in it or maybe frustrate Auburn fans is that Nebraska got Matt Rule that sealed that up. Wisconsin poached seems like <laughs> Luke Fickle consistent. And here, here's my thing. This is a personal opinion here, and I and I tweeted this on, on Saturday, on Sunday. I think both of those guys are better fits in the Big Ten than they would have been at Auburn, right? I think Luke Fickle, a guy, an Ohio guy through and through, going getting the Wisconsin job, Big Ten job, boom, home run, like good job, good job for him. It would have taken a lot. Like I would have had to seen a lot during his time for me. Like say Luke Fickle. And people talk about Luke Fickle at Auburn. It would have taken me a lot for me to say, hey, is Luke Fickle just going to be Harson all over again? A guy who doesn't have SEC Southeastern experience coming in and doing this job. He's a great coach. Harson had a great resume as well. That was my thing. Matt Rule was also kind of in the similar ballpark. It's like it's it's different. It's a fit thing that's that's odd. Now they're at Nebraska and Wisconsin. They've got sealed up. You know, on on Sunday, there's reports that Georgia Tech's going to get a guy that they like. Apparently, Bill O'Brien was in the mix there, but people think Bill O'Brien's going to go to uh, back to the NFL, which I feel like Alabama fans will be happy with that one. Um, but it looks like they could get Willie Fritz from Tulane. So, like, things are kind of lining up. Apparently, Colorado is uh, looking at Deion Sanders. That still has, like, zero buzz from Auburn um, throughout this process. USF's going to be open, I think. Uh, Arizona State uh, hires uh, Kenny Dillingham, um, former Auburn offensive coordinator, and a guy that I mean that that was a fit. A get, dude doesn't have any head coaching experience. He's going to be one of the youngest coaches in college football. Um, I think he is the. I think he's going to be the youngest head coach in FBS when he takes that job. Um, but yeah, congrats to Kenny Dillingham, uh, former Auburn uh, OC, for getting you know a, a, the dream job at his alma mater. So Auburn's still going to be the one kind of hanging around. And, like, there's still time for something to – like a big domino to fall. And Auburn could kind of spin, send this thing spiraling again. Um, but, yeah, it's just – I like you said, Painter, like if they make the right hire and they make a good hire, a lot will be forgiven. But it may be a while before you know if that's a good hire or not. And I think Auburn fans 
rightfully so, have some PTSD about what happened last time with it taking a while and you end up with Harson and it didn't feel like a great fit and it ended up not being a great fit and here we are. So, again, you're working with a new AD, you're working with a new president, you're working with a new set of circumstances at Auburn. That's where you can have optimism Auburn fans for change and for difference, but I will not blame you if you are skeptical, whether your name is Painter Sharpless or you're anybody else listening to this podcast right now. Let's talk Iron Bowl, though. Let's talk about uh, Auburn, their loss to um, Alabama by the final margin of 49-27. Painter, one half of what Auburn needed to do in this game showed up, which we said, run the ball, play awesome defense, and you'll hang around. The run in the ball thing was there. This was an incredible run run game, running game, rushing performance from Auburn with the three-headed monster of Robbie Ashford, Tank Bigsby, and Jarquez Hunter. Ran for over 300 yards in this game. First time that's been happened in the Iron Bowl since 83. Uh, first time that's ever happened, like most rushing yards a team has ever had on a Nick Saban defense at Alabama, which is a wild stat. And, and people can be like, I saw some Alabama fans being like, oh, we were fine with them running the ball. It's like, yeah, you're probably not fine with them running it for like eight yards a clip. Like, you know, like to, there's a difference in being like, we're fine with you running it and not throwing it. And there's another difference in saying, well, here, get seven yards every time you, you, you get the ball. There's a difference, obviously. And and Auburn had to, you know, settle for some field goals, tried to, you know, do some different things and try to finish it up there. But Auburn ran the ball. I mean, 27 in Bryant-Denny, the most they've scored since the 2014 shootout. Ran the ball well, but uh, yeah, over the last few weeks and some good performances Auburn's had this season on defense, they've gotten to feast on some offenses that were either like air raid, like the air raid from Mississippi State and Western Kentucky where there's one dimension to it for the most part, or Texas A&M, which is just bad unless they give the ball to Devin A. Chain 70 times like he did, uh, like they did last night against LSU, which obviously wasn't available for the for the Auburn game. Um Breaking news, Alabama's still really, really freaking good. Bryce Young's still the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Um, and Auburn's defense is just, they just didn't have it in this game. They did not have it. Uh, Alabama did, outside of a few drives, kind of did whatever they wanted. And that was the big difference. You know, last year they played injured and hair, and Auburn's defense got going, and their and their pass rush was getting home, and they were making great plays, and they they did that. If that defense would have showed up, Auburn had a chance to really make something happen in this game. Instead, it was a defense that, at the end of the season, I mean, just Alabama was just too much for them. And so, it to me, it just kind of underscored like there is a talent gap, and you gotta you gotta really really look to close that over the next few cycles, especially if you're if you're gonna want to beat Alabama away from home and not just have to rely on you know every two years you play in Jordan Hare and something weird will happen and and you you play off the back of your crowd. Robbie Ashford can run really well. Robbie Ashford can run really well, and he had the pass of his career in this game as well. You talk about a drop-it-in-the-bucket dime to Javarius Johnson. Robbie Ashford after the game, there had been talk for a while. There had been rumors and whispers about Robbie Ashford playing through injuries. And then Robbie Ashford decided to share with the world just how many injuries he did have this season. Uh, the big one was a, was a sprained AC joint in his shoulder, that he picked up against the uh, in the Missouri game. Never threw the ball. I mean, he had that Arkansas game where he threw the ball pretty well after that. Like, just never really kind of seemed like it was consistent after that. That makes sense. Now, puts it a little bit into perspective. Um, had a had a, uh, had a thumb injury at one point. Had, uh, had another shoulder injury. Had a lot of upper body stuff with him that he played through. And it's pretty telling that he played through it. And then, B, it's also pretty telling that that was still Auburn's best option at quarterback this year was a guy who was coming into games like the SpongeBob meme of the dude with the the dude with his arms out, the glass bones and paper skin. Like, he said there were times he couldn't sleep through the night because of how, how much he was in pain. And there were games where he didn't get to throw all week in practice until Saturday. But Auburn wanted to keep it quiet because he was their best option and he, they didn't want teams to attack it. I don't think that fully explains away you being outside the top 100 of, of passers in, in you know efficiency and accuracy. Like I don't think that fully explains it, 
But it does explain why how you can be inconsistent throwing the ball. And he had some dimes this season. He had some great throws and some great spots. And then there was just a lot of inconsistency on top of that. Um, but man, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what people's opinion of Robbie Ashford are, good or bad, one way or another. Dude, I think, earned a lot of respect for this game and what he went through this season. Um, because, like, man, if they didn't have him and he didn't play, if he didn't gut through that, this this could have been, like, a real disaster season. Even more than, you know, it was having a losing record. Running backs are good, man. Those guys Jarquez can play. Jarquez Hunter, man. Like, okay, so for another game this year, Tank Bigsby Tank Biggs, made, made things happen. He had a good game. But Jarquez had the efficiency. Jarquez Hunter, he he ran for over seven yards a carry in the final four games of the season. And they played Alabama in that stretch. Right? Like they Mississippi State shut down Gwenshot Jenkins and, and and that running game for Ole Miss on Thursday night. Like Auburn ran the ball well against them. Something got into that offensive line. Something got into uh those running backs. Will Friend. Some of the, the ways they schemed up, some of the reverses and tosses and some of the plays they got guys in space with the running game, fantastic. Tank Bigsby's probably going to be playing in the NFL next year. I think we'd be surprised if he decided to come back. Jarquez Hunter is ready to rock. That guy, I mean, because he's, he, he's got, I think he's got more top, top end speed. I think he's got a little bit more explosiveness, big play ability to him. He doesn't have the tackle breaking ability of Tank Bigsby, but I mean, come on, who does? Um, you know that that has been at Auburn here recently. But they're going to be in really, really good hands because that guy is—he's a special player. He's—he's a hundred percent a special player. He can make something out of nothing. Um, he's hard to tackle. He—he just—he does a lot of things really, really well. Cadillac Williams was singing his praises in the post game room, talking about how he wants his sons to grow up to be like him when it comes to his work ethic and his attitude and how he is off the field. That's all great, and and that's again. I don't want to sound sarcastic saying that. Like that is very important, and we'll talk about some of those those aspects for Auburn here down the stretch. But like on the field, that dude is different. And you know, there were several games this year where he outperformed Tank Bigsby, who everybody knew was going to be a great running back coming out of high school. They didn't know that guy was going to be that good, and yet he has. That's a building block. And if Ashford, if if the right quarterback. If they can tighten things, and look, you might get a new quarterback in the portal. You, it depends on the offense, depends on the quarterback, you know, depends on a lot of stuff. You still got Holden Gary. You still got options. But if Robbie Asher can tighten up his, his passing with the right system, I mean, you've got the pieces. You've got some pieces there because Ashford, like Alabama knew it was coming. That was the thing about this game. It's a Nick Saban defense. We said coming in, it was like, ah, it's hard to be one-dimensional against a Nick Saban defense. Auburn said, all right, how about that? <laughs> like, they ran the ball super, super well, and I think that combo of Ashford and Hunter moving forward, there are pieces there. You got to put it all together, right? But putting up that those kind of numbers and some of the plays that they made against Alabama in their own building, again, there's some really good offensive players. There's some really good teams that have played Alabama, you know, uh, whether you're Auburn or across the SEC or period. They didn't have that much success running the ball as they did in this game. And, like, that says something. That's a case for optimism and, uh, you know, something to lean on moving forward. The roster's going to change. The coaching staff's going to change. But if Auburn's got to rely on those two guys next season to be their, like, backfield, you could do a lot worse. When we went into the season, I think I viewed Jarquez as, like, a – reliable backup and that Auburn would find a way to get a different running back and keep him in the same one, two punch role as the two. I don't think that I think that anymore, the way that he ran with Alston potentially right there, they may still go to the portal for another player at running back. I don't they, know. Well, and then keep in mind right now they have Jeremiah Cobb who had a phenomenal season uh, in state with his big play running ability uh, at Montgomery Catholic who but, just uh, fell, sh- fell just short of making the state title game. I'm not downplaying Jarquez's ability to be a true number one back the way I was at the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he is – I think he's really taking that step forward um, – I think the big thing for Auburn is you're about to have to hit the reset button 
with your edge rushers, your line of scrimmage. That offensive line, look, Auburn's offensive line has not been great you know, on a consistency basis, talent basis, whatever, the last few years. They found something in the month of November to run the ball. And, again, it, it picking on Mississippi State or an A&M team that was different or, you know, Western Kentucky is one thing. They did it against Alabama. Nobody's got more talent than those dudes do. Maybe Georgia on defense. That's it. That 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 speaks that speaks volumes. The defense, they've got to find the pass rushers to replace Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. They've got to be able to reload at linebacker. Like Owen Papo had a good fit. Like Cam Riley had about seven thousand tackles on on Saturday. They've got guys coming back at least next year in the secondary where you can kind of keep that momentum going. But like, that's the thing about this Auburn defense is that throughout you know since Steele arrived in 16 and I guess you would say when when Muschamp was there in 15 as well Auburn has had a run of pretty good defense through a different coaches different philosophies like no matter who's next there's a DNA there with Auburn's defense that I think you can push forward but it they're gonna need reinforcements they're gonna need the right coaches to maximize it there's some key spots especially towards the line of scrimmage where they're gonna have to reload and it, it could it could be troublesome. There might be some more games like we saw at, at times this season where it was like, all right, offense, you got to keep up because the defense just might not have it at that at that certain time. But you've got some pieces, and again, this team kind of lifted them to where, where they were at this point. We've talked long enough without mentioning it. Uh, the two fumbles were pretty big. Uh, Alabama uh, scores on short fields on both of them. Uh, Bad break there for Jarquez Hunter running into his own guy and fumbling it there. But the Keontae Scott one, well, Keontae Scott hasn't been, uh, hasn't you know, hasn't been a guy that has. What's the best way to put it? He's had his issues with fumbles this year on, on punt return, getting close and not doing it, whatever, and not, and not touching it. That's that's a whole other debate you can make about how smart that play was and just being him in that position. The thing is, though, he didn't touch that ball. He didn't t- touch that ball. And it was really interesting to me that the the angle that you saw it where he clearly didn't touch that ball was only shown once <laughs> on the broadcast. Um, and, like, yeah, I'm not going to buy in a conspiracy theory where it's like and, and the SEC wants to have two playoff teams, and that's why they did it, and that's why they did it at that point. Like, Because, again, Auburn's defense was having a hard time doing much anything in the game. There was no guarantee they stay in it. But 14 points in a game decided by 22 directly coming off a of short fields like that matters. And once again, Painter, we have we have we come to this age-old argument um and I know both of us have been on the same side of it for a while. Why have replay if you're not going if it's not going to matter? If it's if it's not going to matter and you have this you have this system where you get the coward's way out of saying, well, the call stands on the field. And I'm telling you, man, replay officials are much more willing to not make the guys on the field look bad. So if it's close, lean towards the thing standing. And that is, that's a broken way to do it. Was football, has football been that much better because of the, of replay? Like, yeah, get the call right. You want to have the car right. Great. That's, that's fantastic. But like, if, if the replay doesn't matter, all you're doing is slowing the game down. And just frustrating people. Auburn wasn't going to win that game if no. they had gotten that call, but I don't know why we are pausing the game every seven minutes to review these. If we are just going to, I mean, again, like many things, just do vibes. If that's what it comes down to, just how does the ref feel? Do they like the color crimson? Is, uh, is it fun when the home crowd is happy? Which team has a better record? So maybe they do deserve a 50-50 call. I don't know. Any of those things would have been better than just shrugging. Yeah, and it just felt like Alabama got a couple calls that go their way, and then like immediately there just seemed like there'd be makeup calls on the other end or something like that. It's almost like a basketball game. It's just like, by the way, I mentioned this on Saturday. It remains baffling to me how Alabama gets penalized so much. Not because they're not committing the penalties, but like, a Nick Saban team just getting penalized like toward like more than pretty much any other big team in the country. I it's I don't get it. it that that one's stunning to me. 
much like it's stunning that Auburn was able to be like, you know what, we've got one dimension to this offense, and Alabama was like, that's fine, <laughs> like we'll we'll uh, you know we won't we won't do much about it. Um, yeah, it was just the fact that Alabama had a quarterback who's the defending Heisman Trophy winner, who's probably going to be in a good spot to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. They've still got weapons. They've still got really good. Pe- their wide receivers and their running backs aren't what they u- usually are, but they're still dang good. They're playing it at home, and Auburn just ran out of gas. That defense ran out of gas in this game and just it never it never really but that was the difference. But it feels the game feels different if they if those if those if if those both of those fumbles aren't there. Like Owen Papo gets interception late. You know, that was a that was a good moment for him. But yeah, I mean Alabama scores off of those two short fields. And the second one it's just Auburn had a chance to get the ball back I think they were only down by two touchdowns at that the point. The way they're moving Man. the ball, you'd think it's pretty reasonable they can get into field goal range. Hey, they led in this game. How many people thought that was going to happen? They led by they led by more than three points for the first time since 2014. In in Brian Denny, like there are better quarterbacks, there are better offenses, there are better situations teams for Auburn that have gone into that building and have looked nowhere near as good as they did yesterday on the offensive side. Defensively, it looked kind of more the same that we've that we've seen from from Auburn in there. It's just Alabama Alabama not Alabama at home and when they don't have to play against the other team's crowd that is trying to murder them on every like that that offense just clicks differently. It's just at a different level. Case in point, their two losses this season, both on the road, both at really hostile environments to Tennessee and LSU. So, again, as we look at it, big picture moving forward for Auburn, you you saw some spots. You see some you see some individual performances where you can be like, okay, right coach, right situation, get it set. Like, there's the vibes are a whole lot better than they were a month ago. And Cadillac Williams and his work and this this interim staff's work over the last month, if Auburn can capitalize on it. It's gonna be it's gonna be a group that's gonna be remembered for a very long time. And they went two and two, and they lost the Iron Bowl by twenty two points. Yes, yes, yes. I, I I understand all that. I hear all that. But the shift in this team has set them up and put them in a position where things could be very different in the in the near future. And they just, it just feels like they would have been in a bigger hole if like Hartson finished out this season. Well, I mean, we talked about it on a recent podcast. Dead wrong. I thought there was not. Much of a tangible value of getting rid of Brian Harson in season. I didn't know. I didn't think there was going to be that much of a difference. Dead wrong. I'm an idiot. Biggest biggest L I've ever taken in terms of new opinion. Um. So it's like, what? Where do you go from here? And to hear Calic Williams choke up, and hear those players talk with so much passion about what this last month, how tough it was, but how rewarding it was, and just the changes and the differences. You got. Cadillac going up there saying, hey, look, I was part of the staff beforehand. But, like, dudes are going to class now. Dudes are treating people with respect now. Like, they look like different guys. Like, that, one, that's an indictment on the previous previous administration for sure. But, number two, it's like, it shows to me how much things can change at Auburn quickly. TCU's going to the playoff, man. Tennessee's had a phenomenal year and year. Like, this doesn't have to be a five-year project. This doesn't have to be a, well, Auburn's got a big rebuild going. And, like, it's going to be a rebuild to a degree, but it doesn't have to be this long and arduous process. And I think the groundwork laid by Cadillac Williams and this interim staff is going to go a long way to that. And the seniors and these guys who stuck it out. I mean, they had – think about Derek Hall and Colby Wooden. I know Colby was a draft-eligible junior. Think about those guys. Like, they could have gone – they could have gone somewhere else. They could have been done. They could have gone to the NFL. How many of those dudes said, nope, we're coming back. We believe in our team. We believe in Harson. We believe in all this. And then they just get they just they just get this just really tough season thrown in their way. And they stick it out. And they're not going to get rewarded on with it in the record book. And they're not going to get rewarded with it with anything like the the normal definition of success. But they're going to get rewarded on it because this Auburn fan base is going to remember this crew for a long, long time. And they're going to get that. And, you know, I think that still matters a lot um, to, to a lot of these guys from here, what, what they said after the game. It was very tough to see my over-under five-and-a-half wins finally disappear off of my 
screen yesterday, especially yeah. because it was not the direction that I wanted it to go. Yeah, that was that was rough. It, there's a there's a chance Auburn can make a bowl game. I, uh, there's been conflicting reports. It sounds like they're done. It sounded from a lot of people. It sounded like they were done, but maybe if the opportunity presents itself with uh, whatever goes on, I think there's some teams playing some makeup games here and the at the end. There's stuff about APR and who's eligible and whatnot. Sounds like they're done. Might not be completely done. Um, I had a I had a a member of the uh, the inner circle uh, message me last night. He said I have never wanted a team with this bad of a record to make a bowl game more than this one. He's like I feel like they deserve another another game and like another another go around so we'll see we, we, we shall see i don't think i don't think uh i don't think that listener was alone in that for sure anything else we want to say about the iron bowl alabama's still really stinking good uh on offense auburn's got pieces on offense they got a reset on defense but the vibes are a whole lot better than they were a month ago and that that's a, that's a tribute to everybody involved still in this program we good on that all right uh, before we wrap up with some basketball uh, and uh, breaking down the St. Louis game, let's talk to you folks at home about our good friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. It's the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. They have the Black Friday deal. It's going to stretch into Cyber Monday. By the time you're listening to this, you can still get Homefield's best deal ever on all of their stuff. It's 20% off site-wide. Just use the promo code uh, Black Friday think cyber monday we will see but like it'll be super super easy to get um 20 off it's their best deal they do all year and you can get a home field shirt of the auburn observer you get the official auburn observer t-shirt it's the most comfortable navy t-shirt you're going to find anywhere with our logo on it tastefully printed on the chest um not nothing too flashy nothing too ostentatious we're 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 simple folks here um but you can get that you can get a lot of cool auburn stuff as well um, and then any school that you like, uh, or have a connection to, or you just like their stuff, you think their logos are awesome or their team names are awesome, get that at Home Field Apparel. So they got Auburn football, basketball, even some baseball t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. And when I tell you Home Field is the most comfortable thing you're going to buy, I mean it. I'm currently wearing Home Field right now. I wear Home Field pretty much every day of my life. That's just how the thing goes. Um, so go to homefieldapparel.com. 20% off their, your orders right now with that Black Friday sale heading into Cyber Monday. Get you an Observer shirt. Get you an Auburn shirt. Get you a fun Wyoming golf shirt like the one I'm wearing right now. Whatever you want. homefield has got you covered. Get those orders in early, though, because you're going to want to want that here in time for the holidays. Painter. We talked about the Observer at the top. $6 a month, $60 a year. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You can get all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts sent directly to you. Everything we do uh, for a low, low price. Uh, as we get closer and closer to the holidays, we'll, we'll have some deals and some and some discounts and some stuff like that moving on. But it's a great gift uh, to give an Auburn fan in your life. Uh, just uh, just go to go to uh, the Observer, click around, and uh, it's the easiest way to sign up. And once you're in, you are in. There's another way you can help us out with no money down, whether you're a subscriber or you're not. You can help us out by doing what, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe. 15, 20 seconds. Come on. Come on. All you got to do is go to the Apple Podcast app on whatever device you want to steal or have. Just go to search Auburn Observer, click Auburn Observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, type in write a review, and uh, give us five stars, say something nice to us. Um, and we will read it on the air. Looking to, we might be doing a little something fun with the reviews here over the next few weeks. So uh, go ahead and get those in. Go ahead and get those in. You may you may be able to, to win big here. Um but yeah, appreciate all of you who are uh, who are helping us out uh, that way by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. All right, to wrap up, let's talk some about Auburn basketball's win over St. Louis. You good? I'm seeing that seeing a facial. Are you talking? About, is this is that facial expression because of St. Louis? Or? No, yes, it was because of the offense. But I'll preface all, right. all of the comments with a win is a win is a win. A win is a win is a win, and this is a grinded out. This is a game that I think Auburn's going to be playing a good bit of this year. I'll tell you one thing off the top. St. Louis have been scoring 80-plus points a game pretty much every night out. Uh, for Auburn to hold them to 60 is pretty nuts. 
On top of that, Yuri Collins is one of the best point point guards in the country. Great mid-major player. He only had 10. He had nine assists, though. Four turnovers. I mean, Auburn really, really limited his overall effectiveness, even though he still finished with a great line. Um, the the Jimerson kid for Gibson Jimerson, which is an incredible name, uh, I believe he started two of three, maybe three of four from deep in this game, and then Auburn kind of helped lock him down down the stretch. Um, this is a really good St. Louis team. This is going to be a quad one win for Auburn. Uh, this is a team that's going to be a, a team that makes noise. I think they can get a single digit seed in the NCAA tournament this year. Like that, this is the type of quality you're looking at here with St. Louis. So big time win for Auburn. And look, it was rough on offense. And I'm willing to say it at this point, I said, give it some time. You know, shooting can come and go. This team's offensively challenged. It's just. Just the bottom line, they they are they are, and I, and I think and I think they know that, and I think they're adjusting to that. Um, Katie Johnson's ability to get to the basket and create, we saw that down the stretch uh, with some of the tough makes he had when Auburn didn't have anything going, and just being able to create. He's got that in him. Wendell's got that in him to an extent, just because of his height, and both of those guys' heights. Right? You got some of that with Alan Flanagan as well. That's kind of it of like go get a bucket guy. You know, you don't have a Jabari on this year's team. You don't like it, it's 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 different. Um, they can get better. I mean, look at Janai Broom's stat line for this game. Janai Broom goes uh, four of fourteen from the field in this game, which is not great for a big man. Uh, and th- those were tough shots. I mean, St. Louis was was giving them giving them a lot down low, but a lot of short tips, hooks, stuff like that. Just things falling short for him. As Bruce Pearl said after this game, if he starts finishing better, I think Auburn's a much better offense. I agree. This team is not going to be a great three-point shooting team. This team is not going to be a team that lights up the scoreboard most nights. I think they got out in transition and ran more in the second half, and that's going to have to be turn defense into offense is going to have to be their thing. But, yeah, this team this team is offensively challenged at this point because of just the roster that they have and just some of the confidence level they've got at this point. But I think they're finding good ways to manage around it. And in this game, they're down five with nothing working on offense. And they come back and 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 they get this win by five. Like that's a huge, huge, um, you know, finish here for for Auburn in a grinded out kind of game that wasn't as ugly as the Northwestern game. Um, and that finish was just it, it was it was what I think Auburn basketball can be at its best this year. Tough makes, got everybody contributing, but man, down the stretch, I think St. Louis missed nine out of their last ten shots. Auburn got defensive rebounds on almost all of them. Like just locked it down against a really efficient, really good mid-major offense, and just and just shut them down. And that's they're gonna have to win games like this. And it's not it's going to hurt people's hearts, and it's going to give them some uh, some pain. But that's gonna have to be the way they play it. And right now, they are playing defense as good as anybody in, in college basketball at the moment. It does seem like we are destined to play a staggering amount of close games this year. Yep. There will be a couple of exceptions, like the Bradley game, where you just randomly are like, you know what, I think we will shoot about 40% from three tonight. <laughs> but then, like, the next game, you're probably going to revert to the mean, and you'll be back to a rock fight. I want to point out, let's, uh, I've compared this team, and we've talked about it a lot, to the 2019-2020 team that didn't get to have the uh, the finish that they wanted. To go back to that team, let's, let's, look, let's revisit some of their non-conference games against quality opponents. One by nine to Georgia Southern, ten against Davidson, one against South Alabama that escaped with the Coro. Um, Furman won by three in overtime. The same St. Louis team won by six uh, in Birmingham. One by six against NC State. Right in conference play, four point win over over Vanderbilt. Um, you know, four point win over Iowa State, double overtime win over Ole Miss, overtime three overtime wins in a row against Arkansas, LSU, and Alabama. Like, that's kind of where I think this team's kind of headed. And and those that team had much higher scores. I think this defense is better. It's just going to be a lower lower scoring games in this one. They are destined to do that. But I think the advantage here, Painter, is is if this is a team that's going to have to play closer, grinded out games. The good news is what we saw at the end of the game and the closing lineup that Auburn ran for most of the second half, especially in the final 10 minutes down the stretch. Bruce Pearl called a timeout, which he never does, to make sure he he gets those guys a breather. But it's Wendell Green Jr., Katie Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams, 
Janai Broom. You're closing the lineup. The experience stands out down the stretch. They get the stops. They get the buckets that they need. That's the difference. There's no Jabari Smith. There's no Walker Kessler. There's no All-American NBA talents on this team, or first-round NBA talents on this team. But what they have instead is more experience. And they are going to be able to grind out some games that way. And, um, I mean, what a great what a great way, like, sequence there for Auburn. Katie Johnson gets to the basket. They're fighting. They're plugging away. They get that ball, and then I'm telling you, man, it happened right in front of me. It was coming right towards me. Katie Johnson's past Allen Flanagan on that dunk to take the lead is one of the best transition plays I've seen from Auburn. He threw a laser baseball pass strike to a point where he led him to Allen Flanagan. He didn't even have to take a dribble. He's just going to go up and, and, and dunk it. Place goes crazy. Auburn gets a stop. They go crazy. And Auburn's in control from, from then on. That team, those guys, and you know that's the case for Katie Johnson and Wendell Green Jr. and some of these others. It doesn't matter. And Janai Broom getting a late bucket was big as well. It doesn't matter if they've gone 0 for 47 from the floor. They think the next one's going in. They think the next. Okay, we can still get the stop. We can still get. We can still get the. We can still get the bucket on the other end. We can still win this game. That experience meant a ton for this team, and that's a closing lineup again. It ain't going to be pretty. It ain't going to be sexy. It's not going to get a lot of style points, especially early in the year. But it might just. It might just win them a lot of basketball games. Um, and I think their offense can get better. That defense, though. Top five in the country right now in adjusted efficiency. Top ten in raw effective field goal percentage. This is this team's scary. Like when you can do that to a team like St. Louis and hold them to sixty points. Again, I think Auburn's going to be very uh, hopeful and and th- or sorry, Auburn's going to be very thankful that uh, St. Louis just decided not to hit any free throws in the second half. That was a uh, that was helpful. But like, even if they'd have hit. Some of those free throws are like you're still holding them well below their average, and that's a good St. Louis offense. Yuri Collins is awesome, and it was good. It was fun to see Wendell Green Jr. and Yuri Collins kind of go back and forth in this game, and then you know Wendell coming up, big game had a had a rough night against Northwestern. Comes back out has a season high in points. That's that's just kind of the game he had to have. Well, look at that. Tennessee's the best team and adjusted defense, and Arkansas's immediately behind Auburn. The top half of the league is it's just a, an absolute bloodbath. It's the, the defenses are going to be nuts. Oh, excuse yeah, me, it, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Mississippi State directly behind Auburn in that excellent category that Ken Palm so graciously has us at number four right now. Uh, yeah, Tennessee held Kansas to fifty the other night. Uh, held Butler to forty-five. They they went on a tear in. Uh, let's see, that was uh, where were they at? They were at. They're at uh, Atlantis. Yeah, Battle for Atlantis, where Auburn was last year. Yeah, it's good. Like, but you're going to need to bring the defense to the defense fight. <laughs> like, You're going to have to do that. And this is going to be the way this team has to play. It is what it is. I think moving forward, obviously, big picture. Like, yeah, Auburn needs to get a shooter uh, uh, moving forward. They could, they could afford to add. Like, the guys that they picked up, Chance Westry, Yoan Treor, Trey Donaldson, had their moments. Auburn didn't play them as much as this game because they leaned on experience to beat. I mean, that's a St. Louis team that's one of the most experienced teams in the country. Battle-tested. And Auburn was able to kind of power through. None of those guys are dead eyes. None of those, and so, like, that might be the adjustment moving forward. You know, Auburn would love to have one of those kind of guys, um, you know, whatever that – Aiden Holloway. By, by the way, Aiden Holloway looks like he could be that dude next year for you in terms of your guard play as just a really good scoring co- combo guard. Um who also has the point guard ability, obviously, but it's uh, yeah, this this team, I think that the last five minutes, that was that was what Auburn basketball is going to be, and there will be nights where they shoot a lot better, and there will be nights where they shoot even worse than they did in this game. I don't think it's going to get as bad as the Northwestern game again. That experience and that toughness and that ability just to shut people down on defense, you know, in key spots in the game. It, that's going to be the style of this team. And I think Bruce Pearl is, is doing a really good job and his staff are doing a really good job of like, yeah, we know what our roster is. We know what it looks like. We know what, we, what we've what we got right now. We know what our liabilities and our, and our deficiencies are at this point. But this team can win without being last year's team. This team can win without being the Final Four team. It can have a style and they're all their own, and the good coaches can adapt to that. 
And I think that's what Auburn's getting in the process of doing right now. And it and it's very, very helpful for them. Very, very helpful. The depth didn't have to play as much you know, deeper uh, as deep on their bench in this game, but it still made a difference. And uh, if you're looking for Auburn to get get it better and get it going on offense moving forward, here's something that may help them out a little bit. Um, they're done playing, I believe it was, let's see, it was five or four games and it was three games in six days. From or three games, in, yeah, three games in six days for Auburn. Um, you go back to the Texas Southern Winthrop games. It's just been a it's been a grind for them. They don't play again until Friday night against Colgate. Uh, Colgate. A chippy small conference team for sure, uh, but the Fighting uh, Toothpaste Raiders um, have already lost four games this year, and they've they've got a lot of tread on their tires. And then they have an eight day break before they play Memphis and Atlanta, you know, finals week and all that. So some rest and some and some and some legs getting back under them are about to, about to happen, which I think I, I think it will help Auburn's offense. I'm fully ready to be dead wrong there, but like I I think I think that's going to be helpful for them and. They can st- like in this game. They found ways to hit shots when it when it absolutely mattered the most down the stretch, and the stops stops are just as valuable. That's why we have Mike Burgermaster, baby. He's gonna get us. You know, ready. Mike. You know, you know, Dirty Mike got a shout out after the game, Painter. I thought I thought you would uh, I thought you would appreciate this. Um, it also just shows you how Bruce Pearl just loves turning his attention to his assistants. Um, he said, uh, and I quote. Um, he said that the timeout uh, down the stretch was suggested to him by Stephen Pearl. He said, Stephen made that suggestion. It was a good call. I think Burgo helped me call a really good offensive game. thought Ira did really well with the substitutions and rotations, and Wes and Chad had the scout. They did a great job with the scout. It was a real team effort. So, yeah, your boy Burgo getting called. The, the mastermind of the, of, the, of the tough non-conference schedule. By the way, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. Auburn played three games against St. Louis in this series, home and home, and then they played that game in Birmingham uh, to, to kick it all off. As Bruce said after the game, it's really hard to beat a good team twice, much less three times. Three wins against that St. Louis team, that's that's a that's as quality as you can get. Like that's it's gonna be one of the better mid majors in college basketball this season. Travis Ford is a very experienced coach. Uh, who got really, really animated during this game, and uh, you know, spotted he was doing he was doing some he was doing some Buzz Williams uh, 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 spotting up on the key or spotting up on the wing in, in this game. But uh, that's a good team. Yuri Collins, like Yuri Collins, an upset. Yuri Collins staying at St. Louis because man, I thought that dude after what we saw from him last year was like, oh, that guy's gonna go play point guard somewhere, uh, and uh, instead. He ended up staying at St. Louis, and and uh, it's paying off for him really, really well. But big win, huge win. That was the best team Auburn's played all year, and to beat them by five at home. Um, like you said, Painter, a win is a win is a win, and that is a is a really good win uh, for the Tigers. Uh, by the way, Janai Broom, uh, eight blocks in this game. Auburn now has the number three and number four players in the country in block percentage with Broom and Dylan Cardwell. That's big, obviously. Uh, and I just I came away from that game like Katie Johnson in the six man role is it's just it's just working it's just clicking and then Alan Flanagan coming off the bench it's it's just clicking well and again might not start Zepp and and Chris starting the game starting it with defense starting it with the with the ultra hustle guys closing closing time is where is where the money gets made. We'll see if that that affects the starting lineup. Auburn changed their rotations in this game. Chance Westry didn't play as much as the backup point guard. Um you didn't see as much Yoan, you didn't see as much uh didn't see quite as much uh Chris and Zepp down the stretch. We'll see if that changes any of their lineups moving forward, but like that's kind of that's going to be like that game had the vibe and the feel of an SEC game. And I think the team they played on like that St. Louis team is better than a good chunk of the SEC. Not all of them, maybe not even half, but like there's a number of SEC teams that are going to play in that building that aren't as good as that that St. Louis team. And so it kind of had that vibe and that feel, and so you grit it out, you get the win. That's all that matters. It was nice to get a win this weekend. Yeah, and and as as and I think it's going to be good timing, I think, for those of us in the Auburn sphere that Auburn basketball doesn't play until Friday. And the coaching search can kind of take 
the forefront here moving forward. Um, but yeah, it's good to get a win if you're an Auburn fan for sure. And uh, uh, by the way, Alabama beating uh, while we're recording this beating North Carolina in a marathon. Um, saw people on Twitter say that this was the best. Um, I didn't watch the end of the game, but was the best uh, argument for the Elam ending ever. It was just just bad overtime basketball. Which I mean, those teams have played so many games in a row there in that that PK Invitational. Um, but yeah, SEC looking looking pretty stiff. Tennessee uh, Tennessee didn't get off to a great start this year with that loss to Colorado uh, Colorado, and they just went and just smoked the battle for Atlantis. Arkansas lost to Creighton by three, but like beat a really good San Diego State team uh, on the rope. Just crushed Louisville. Man, Louisville's just what is what is going on there? Uh, we just mentioned Alabama. Um, you know, being able to, to, to bounce back from their loss to UConn with a big win over North Carolina. And then, uh, and then yeah, Kentucky, Kentucky loses Gonzaga, loses Michigan state. They might need, they might need a little bit more time to get going, but it's, it's Kentucky. They still have the defending player of the year and a whole lot of talent, but college basketball is getting a little topsy turvy early on. And for Auburn, I think you're just, it's not the same tough schedules as, as everybody else, but just win, baby. That make that means that means a ton moving forward for the Tigers. All right, I think that's going to do it. Appreciate everybody listening uh, to the podcast. Um, thanks for subscribing. Um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, it was a really un- it was unlike any other football season I've ever covered. And um, but uh, a lot of you made it. Uh, a lot of you made it a really successful one for us at the Observer. A lot of people uh, joining up. And uh, we will see what it happens with the coaching search uh, moving forward. But we've got basketball rolling on. I mean, in a few weeks, I'll be out on the West Coast covering Auburn when they play at USC in Washington. The game in Atlanta coming up a week from Saturday. Uh, so the World Tour is about to be underway with Auburn basketball. And we'll be we'll be here at the homestead trying to figure out the football situation. But um, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot for us, uh, the Observer, with our newsletters and our podcast. So even though the regular season's come to an end in football, it's a whole lot, whole lot coming your way. Uh, so thank you once again for, for tuning in. And uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies, like, subscribe, give gift subscriptions, all that fun stuff. Uh, very, very, very grateful. AuburnObserver.com. It's going to do it for me. Painter and I will be back sometime later this week. Um, real TBA with, with Coach and Search and all that. But we will have a podcast before Auburn plays Colgate on Friday. Uh, for sure for all of our subscribers on the premium feed. That's it. Painter, final thoughts. Nice win streak at home for basketball. 